take your Bibles out to the book of Romans. We're going to study God's Word this morning. I hope you're ready. And uh, we're going to dive into some passages. And I'm starting a, a sermon series today on an unpopular subject. It's something that we don't talk about, but on the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? What does it mean to be righteous? It's powerful. It's, it's, it's what changes. It's what made us whole. It's what gives us life. Without it, we would be nothing. I'm talking about who God is and his character of righteousness. Let me give you a verse just as an illustration of this, of what God's saying the power of righteousness is. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 34, Righteousness exalteth a nation. The Bible says that righteousness builds up a nation, makes it stronger, makes it powerful. That, that, that it's not our people, it's not our government, it's not all the things we put all our confidence is it's righteousness according to our God that builds up a nation. I'm not just talking about the United States of America. I'm talking about any nation. It builds you up. But listen to this. But a sin, but sin is a reproach. It brings shame. It makes us weak. It tears us down. You want to talk about the future of our nation depends on the righteousness of our nation. But I know we know that when it comes to what we see on news TV social media and everything else, but I'd like to bring it in on us as Christians, as believers. What does that mean? This is not a popular thing to talk about, righteousness, because we're talking about what is right and what is wrong. When you start telling people what is wrong, they sit there and say, I don't want to hear that. You're just shoving that down my throat, and that's what you Baptists believe. Everything we're about to read is going to come straight from the Word of God. So it's not about Pastor Tony. It's about thus saith the Lord, okay? And that's what divides. And even that sometimes it's like we, 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 we rebel against that. I don't want to hear that. I, I don't want that to bother me. I don't come to church to be bothered. So this book of Romans is about the gospel. It's about life change. It's about the power and the core of salvation. It was written by Paul. It was a letter written to the Romans. That's where it got its name from. In Acts chapter 18... The Christians were gathered together, and there was Jews, and there was Gentiles, and they gathered together and kind of formed the church. They were coming out of the law. There was a lot of traditions and things that was hard to break. Man, all those years of history of the Old Testament, and then you step into grace. But it's difficult to transition like that. Man, that's hard. So they were working through that and taking the gospel and understanding what Jesus did for them. And then the ruler kicked out the Jews for about five years. The Gentiles began to to keep doing their thing and having church and doing what they were doing. Then the Jews came back inside. And all of a sudden the Jews were like, whoa, what is going on here? This is nothing like what it was before. Where's circumcision? Where's, you know, the the teachings on the Sabbath? And what are you doing with these uh, offerings to idols and all these other things? And, And they were sitting back going, wait a minute, the Bible doesn't talk about that. That's not in the gospel. But it was ingrained in them from the back because they had so many traditions and things that they had part of them. Well, I'll tell you, it caused division in this church. Division will be the death of any church. It just is. Anytime where you have people fighting and and things like this, and they, they were fighting over good things, they were upset over good things. Here's the thing. God declares what is right. Not man Not tradition, not people, not preachers, not prophets. God declares what is right. Man, in a church, any church, this church can have a lot of feelings, opinions, traditions, preferences. But God said this in Isaiah, I, the Lord, speak righteousness. 
I declare the things that are right. That, 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 that verse alone, if we would understand, when God said, you want to know what's right for you, your life, your marriage, your church, whatever, it is whatever God said declares what is right. But we have a lot of times they're like, well, I just don't feel that way, or I don't look at it that way, or that's this, or that's that. It doesn't matter what you feel or think. It only matters what God says. Now, I know we, we sit there and say, well, that sounds good. And man, I'm going to say amen to that in church. But I tell you, then when things start coming out of the word of God telling us how to live, and it's counterculture or counter what we believe, or it goes against what our, our, our kids are doing or whatever, and then we sit there and say, well, that's just old-fashioned, or I don't like that or whatever, then we begin to rebel against what God said is right. And this happens in our culture, but it should not happen in the church Man, this happens a lot when we get away from God's word. Bad things begin to happen because it's a reproach. It weakens us. removes the power of God from who we are and what we do. So Paul goes into great detail about salvation. He starts writing this letter and he said, I'm just going to start at the beginning and tell you what God said. That way, the word of God becomes the absolute authority of what they're deciding. So when you take the word of God and you put it in a church, you sit there and say, I don't believe we should do that, or I think this is right, or that's wrong. You know what you do is you open the word of God and find out what God said rather than how you feel. That's what we do. So anytime you're in church, this church, your home church, another church, your parents' church, whatever, and things come up, I just don't stop, open, read. Amen. You don't declare righteousness. You have no ability or right to declare what it should be. God's already settled it. He's already said what is right and wrong. That is what happens when sin gets in, just when, when, when things begin to change. And we're we're going to touch on some things, and people are going to lie. I just don't like that. Wait till God says it, because it is what changes our lives. So let me give you a little overview. Romans 1 through 3, Paul addresses sin. Romans 4 through 8, he begins to get into salvation. 9 through 11, he begins to talk about the sovereignty of God, about how God is in control and God is the ruler. In Romans 12 through 16, he talks about us serving God. The theme of Romans is righteousness, the righteousness of God. There are 91 mentions of the word righteousness in the New Testament. 35 of them are in the book of Romans alone, talking about the righteousness of God, who he is and what he does. The righteousness of God could be broken down in a number of ways. Everybody does this differently, but the righteousness is talking about his attributes. He is right. He is holy in all that he does. He is just. He declares what is right and wrong. In, in God's character, there is no wrong, there is no sin. He is holy. He is completely right. He is without error. That is why if God says that this is the right way to live, there is no other way. And if you step out of that boundary, you are unrighteous. You are doing wrong. and You are not like God. That's where we get the terms in the Bible about the ungodly. They are away from God. It's not like the character of God. His attributes, but also his, his activity. When we talk about the righteousness of God, he declared his righteousness and made things right through the cross. That's why we look at the cross of when he took on our sin and he died for our sin. And Paul's about to dig into all that stuff and explain it. Next week, Lord willing, I've learned a long time ago that sometimes when I'm studying, God takes me in another direction. But what I'm doing today is going to set you up for Romans chapter 6. We're literally going to go to Romans chapter 6, start in verse 1 and dig through this. 
But today, I, I, I want to go through the first ones and set you up for Romans chapter 6 so that you have a firm foundation about the righteousness of God. So the introduction, the backstory of why we live righteous. Paul opens up the book with Paul of who he is. He starts talking about, man, I'm a servant of the Lord, and he begins to talk about those things. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Just follow along with me. I'm just going to walk you through this. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, but listen to this. It is the power of God unto salvation. He's declaring from the very beginning. It is not your good deeds. It's not what you do. It's not the law. It's not your tradition. It is the gospel that saves you. That's it. To everyone that believeth. The reason why he is explaining that because he said it's to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. He said God is no respecter of persons. God didn't just die for some. He died for all. Verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. He said he didn't just keep you in the dark. God didn't want you to fumble around not knowing what is unrighteousness, what is wrong, why are we failing, why are we getting off the path. God through his work shows us, he reveals to us what is right and what is wrong. If you are living a miserable life and you're saying, I don't know what's wrong. God says, you know what, like I talked about last week, his word will be a lamp unto your feet. If you fumble around in the dark and you're constantly falling on your face and you can't make marriage work or parenting work or life work or or whatever, it's because you've taken the light of God's word and you choose to walk in the darkness. It's a choice. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness. God cannot ignore sin, ungodliness, and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth of unrighteousness. God cannot sweep it under the carpet. God loves you, but God will judge sin. You say, why is that? If God loves me, why will he judge my sin? It goes back to the attribute that God is a righteous God. God cannot ignore our sin. He can't. A good judge would not ignore sin. If you went into a courtroom and you were on trial for murder, and I'll use this illustration a number of times through this, you were on trial for murder, and it was your child, or your, your child, you're standing there with your child, or your family, and, and, and you lost a loved one, a husband, or whatever, that died because of that. And the judge just got up there and says, man, I, I know this was bad, but I'm just going to throw it out. He did not serve justice. He let wrong go undone. He let it sneak through. It's not right. Because it's the character of God, it bothers God. It goes, it's counter him. So I asked Logan if I could share this story, and he, he gave me permission. But yesterday, he learned a really valuable lesson. He got paid, cashed his check, got large bills, okay? A young man like that having large bills, and he went through McDonald's drive through He gave the lady a $50 bill out the window. She gave him change for a $20 bill. He didn't realize what happened, and he pulls over, goes through his bag, and goes, whoa, okay, that is not change for a $50 bill. So Logan goes back inside, goes to the counter, and says, I, I gave her 50, and I was given back change for a 20. And she, he says, well, we'll count the drawer, and then we'll see if it's there. And they came back and said, well, it's all clear. There's no extra money there, which means only one thing. And so that, you sit there and go, and I'm, Logan's telling me this story, and they said at the end of the day, they're going to go through camera footage and look for it, and I said, Logan, they're not going to go through camera footage. You know, they're going to want to get out of there or whatever, and he got no phone call, and, you know, and things like that, and I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there as, as the dad going, that ain't right. 
He worked hard for that money. He's working outside and sweating and digging and working long hours and doing all this. In one moment, somebody stole from him. You know what that does for me as a dad? I said, get over it, son. That's life. No, I didn't. Now, that might have been like the right attitude. I was like, son, that's not right. I wanted to go down to McDonald's, call the manager, call the cops. My son was robbed by you people, you know. I wanted to make it right. At least give him 30, you know, Big Macs or something. You need to make it right. You realize the very character for us as a dad, and I see something that is wrong. It's inside of me to make it right. That is not right. Do you understand the very character of God is to see what is wrong in our life and to say that's not right and sin has to be judged because God is a just God. The Jews felt like they were okay. They did. They were God's chosen people. They kept the law. They circumcised. They did all those things that were signs of the promise of God. They obeyed the Sabbath. So they thought they were above this. So in chapters 2, in the beginning of 3, Paul starts talking about, let me warn you guys right now, there is none righteous, no, not one. If you've broken the law at all, your past, your history, your heritage does not eliminate your sin. And he goes to the point, he said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not by works, it's not what you have done. So I'm going to walk you through this story. So now we get into Romans chapter 3, verse 10. I just wanted you guys to understand where we're going with this and why. Guys, we don't just come to church to just hear nuggets of truth. We should be growing in the word of God. We should be growing in knowledge of the truth. You should walk out if you're understanding the Bible more than you did when you came in. That's what we do as Christians. So let's set up this study. Number one, who you are or who you were. Who you were, I'm jumping ahead. Who you were, this is the description of our unrighteousness. He says, as it is written, verse 10, three, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Now, if you know the Romans road, we, we quote this all the time. We sit there and say, well, there's none righteous. But you've got to understand in the context of who he's talking to. He's talking to the Jews. He's talking to the ones that did the sacrifices that were faithful to God, faithful to doing all the things that the Torah said, all the, all the traditions that they said. And he comes out to them and says, no, you have to understand you are unrighteous. You have broken God's law. You are separated. You have trespassed. Have you guys ever noticed the term in the Bible when it says that he has forgiven our trespasses? You know, we, we have that term, and a lot of times we don't understand. You realize that it's the same terminology that we have in everyday language today. There's a sign that says, you know, when you're, when you're walking down the road or your neighbors, it says, do not trespass, meaning that there is a line. You are not to cross that line or you are doing wrong. You realize that God drew a line in the garden. He's drawn a line with us. Every single one of us have crossed that line. You realize that because we've crossed that line, there is none righteous because you have wronged God. You have crossed the line, whatever it is, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever it is, you have done wrong. Because of this, this is who you were. We were separated from God. You broke the law. You separated. You were unrighteousness. You have sinned. And because God is righteous, now listen, because God is righteous, it separated us from God because God is a righteous God. So man's thought was if he did good, he could make that, that's all of our thinking. 
If you've sinned, man, that's what we're thinking. If God is upset with me for doing wrong, then he'll like me for doing good. Same thing when we talk about heaven. I've, I've, I've talked to many people before and they say, man, I hope I get to heaven. I've tried to live a good life. So they put all their stock in the good things that they've done. You know, if I, I, I get, let me take you back to that same illustration. If I stood before that judge and I was guilty of murder and the judge says, dude, did you kill that person? And I came out and said, yes, sir, I did. They made me very mad and I killed that person. But judge, before you say anything, let me tell you this. I help out with the Boy Scouts. And you know what? They came around for the Kidney Foundation. I gave a handsome check to them. And let me tell you, I went to that church, and they asked for volunteers, and I, I vacuumed every room in that church, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and the judge stood back and said, you know, I didn't realize that you did all that. You know what? Go ahead and leave. You're okay. You'd say, that would be so not right. You understand, that's what God was doing. The reason if you do good in your life, it doesn't eliminate the trespass that you made. The judge would sit there and say, dude, that's great. I am so happy for you. It sounds like you did a lot of good in your life. But let me tell you this, you still did wrong. You still crossed the line. You still broke the law. There is nothing that you can do to change that and of yourself. You can't go back and undo what you did. You can't reverse what you did. That's why the Bible is saying there. Now, let me, let me explain this. Let's just read through here because sometimes we stop right there in Romans 3.10. And the Bible explains this to these Jews, these good doers. There is none that understandeth. He said, I'm going to tell you guys right now, you don't fully get this. You, you think that all of these things that you're doing without the Spirit of God, this is the depravity of man. We are so messed up that we can't fully understand how messed up we are. We are lost. We are blind. We are messed up. There is none that seeketh after God. If you are saved, it's not because God sought you, but because, he, because you sought God, but because he sought you. And we were blinded. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That day that you come under the influence of the spirit of God, the word of God, your eyes were open. You saw that you were on the other side of the line and you were like, ah, oh, how'd I get here? God, save me. You saw it. The spirit of God came knocking on your door of your heart. And thank God he did because we couldn't see it. The Bible says they're gone. They're all gone out of the way. All we like sheep, we've gone astray. All we have trespassed. We've strayed, we've gotten off path. We're not in right standing with God. They are all together become unprofitable. I can't produce any spiritual fruit of my life. The Bible says that in me is wickedness and the core of me is wrong. I do wrong because I'm wrong inside. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues have used deceit. The poison of the asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. We lie, we cheat, we deceive, we seek revenge, we curse, we get mad, we gossip. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. We've broken our relationships, we've messed up our families, we've done all this, and God says, you know why? Because you're all sinners. You've all fallen short. You've all done wrong. Good deeds could not remove all the wrong that we've done. But after we're saved, we still have a past. Yes, God gives us peace, but there's still that past of the things that we know. But the second thing is we are defined by our sin. 
Chapter 1, going back there in verse 29, he says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness. He sits there and says, man, we're labeled. You guys realize that when we trespass and we go to jail or we go before a court and we are a criminal, we are a drug addict, we are a dealer, we are whatever, sin will label you. And that affects you. Anybody that's ever messed up in their past, man, if I could go back, I'm known by people, I'm known in myself. Satan reminds me all the time that I've cheated, I've lied, I have no peace, I'm impure. And these things just don't go away. So we try to fix it of ourselves. It's human nature to do that. I'm going to do good to fix myself. Isaiah 64, 6, I don't know if we fully understand that passage of trying to do good deeds. It says, uh, but we are all as unclean things. And all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. If you study that out, what the Bible was saying with that is, is the lepers, when they had that disease that would eat their skin, They would go out and they would take rags and they would wrap it around their skin. But no matter what, that rag might have held things together, but they were still decaying and dying inside. It didn't fix the problem. And in our lives, every time we sit there and say, honey, I'm going to be a better man. I'm going to be a new man. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to get a new job. We'll move away to a new job or whatever. I'll do this and that. I'll be better. Just wrapping up the old man. I'm still unrighteous. And the Bible says all those good things that you're doing, you're thinking, man, I'm holding myself together. I'm better than I was. I've covered it up. And God says on the inside, you're still decaying. You're still rotten. You're still messed up. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Sit there and say, hey, hey, hey. And God pulls out the law and says, listen, listen. Stop right now. For all have sinned. You've all fallen short. You're all guilty. It doesn't matter, Jews. It doesn't matter, Gentiles. It doesn't matter, Fellowship Baptist Church. Let me explain to you right now. You do not add up to the righteousness of God. And in that very passage, he used that word, become guilty before God. Because of that physical state, when you come before God, God says literally, when you look down at him, because of the sin, the depravity, the one time that I crossed the line made me guilty. I am guilty before God. We are guilty. Paul goes from there, from where we were, and he begins to talk about what Christ did. Because he doesn't leave us there. And I I know some of this stuff to you guys is so elementary. But please stick with me so I can set up where we're going with this. Because it's not just the fact that salvation is a ticket out of hell. It's a changed life. And a lot of times we have the church that's living in the world. And we're not living differently. And we don't know why we're not making a difference. Because there is still unrighteousness coming out of our lives. So what did Christ do? Righteousness. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, O Lord. Jesus did not ignore the law. He fulfilled the law. The payment of sin was death. The law said you have come short and you need to die. And we know that basic principle that Jesus was our substitute. Yes, very true. 
I, I, I doubt if there's very many people that were here today that would sit there and say that I didn't know that about God. But in our passage, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified. That, that word means to be made right. Jesus made things right. We like to simply say that God forgave me. But let me tell you, that is absolutely true. God did forgive you. Man, if you're here today and you're saved, you would sit there and say, man, God forgave me of my sins. Do you understand the only reason that God forgave you of your sins is because he already justified, he made right what you did wrong. He did not turn his back on it and say, we'll just go the other way. Come with me, son. Everything will be okay. No, he stepped into our world, into our sin, and he made it right. This is a legal term. It means our standing before God was mean that we were guilty, and because he justified it, you are no longer guilty. Romans 5.19 says, For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. But by obedience, one shall many be made righteous. The word righteous means innocent, holy, or just. Now I'm going to get to it because this will all make sense at the end. He cleaned our slate. He, he died to cover our past. To the point where when Paul would emphasize this to the church, he would say to the point where he would say to the saints, you are no longer the same. You are made righteous, freely, no strings attached, what did God do? He showed us grace. It says that God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us when we did not deserve it. Now here's an illustration. Let me go back. And this, this frustrates me. You guys can obviously tell this whole McDonald's thing. I'm like, I, I, I told Jenny, I said, I'm going back there right now. I'm like, just like, my, my, they robbed my kid right there. And, you know, that clown, literally, that clown ripped off my son. If I went back to McDonald's and I walked in there and I confronted this situation and I pulled out and I, I said, you know what, lady or person, I'm, it was a lady, okay. <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> and I confronted that situation and, and, and I, I said, you know what, I could have you hold off the jail. You did wrong. You were busted. You know, we have the proof just like we're staying against the law and all this proof and evidence is there. And then I take out of my wallet that money that was the difference, and I give it to Logan. I justified, I made right, and said, ma'am, you can go back to work. Everything's okay. We have to understand what God did is God on the cross paid the debt. For the wages of sin was death. He died, took the wage, paid the debt, and then gives it to us. But the thing about it is if I did that for that lady at McDonald's, she does not deserve it. You know what she deserves? You lose your job. You go out to your car. You don't deserve to be here. You don't rob customers. That would be justice. And God is a just God. But thank God for the grace of God that gave us what we did not deserve. That, that is the whole principle that he was saying here that gave us, that God gave us this grace that Paul was illustrating. But this is powerful. Here's the third thing that God did for us in this same passage. He covered our sin. And I don't know, you guys are saying, Pastor Tony, you are literally giving us an elementary lesson. Please hang on. Whom God has set forth for, to be the propitiation through faith in his blood. 
to declare righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. This is a cool term. A lot of times we skip over things. And I've taught this before. In the Old Testament, they carried around the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was a number of items. One of them was the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was not there for us to obey in order to be perfect. The Ten Commandments was there to show us that we've all fallen short. No one here has obeyed all Ten Commandments. No one here is perfect. It walked around. It was a constant reminder. You've fallen short. You've fallen short. You've fallen short. They put it in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is where they put inside the tabernacle of the Holy of Holies. And God would step in to the Holy of Holies and to the very place that represented our failure. He said, what is the big deal about that? Well, the reason that God was able to do that is because on top of the Ark of the Covenant was a lid. That lid was the covering when the Shekinah glory, the presence of God would shine down in there. It would shine. It would not see the Ten Commandments. It would see the covering. That covering was called the propitiation. I knew I couldn't say that word, so just make fun. The propitiation of our sins. Let's say it together. Just kidding. (laughs) The covering of our sins. Now read that what he was saying in this passage. He was saying that he was the covering. Jesus was the covering. He was through faith in his blood. When we broke the law of God, God said he took our sin and Jesus covers our sin to where when God looks down at our life, we are made right. Not because of what I did, because when God looks at me, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ covering my sin. That's awesome. He sat there and say, how can I go before heaven? How can I stand in heaven? How can I go home to heaven? How can I stand before God and what I've done? Because when God sees me, he doesn't see me. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. It's been made right. It's just like that debt. If you had that debt, you know, all over, you owe whatever. God came over with his blood. He paid it off. When we stand before God and God looks out at us and Satan's sitting there saying they're wicked. They need to be judged. They need to be thrown out. God looks at us and he says, all I see is the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the way, the way we were made justified, the way we were made holy and righteous because the blood of Jesus Christ had no sin, had no faults, had no failures. It took the precious, perfect blood of Jesus Christ to cover all my filthiness. So, okay. Thank you for that reminder, Pastor Tony. That was good. It's not just a reminder. It's a setup. Because it brings us to who we are. Okay? A lot of us sit back and say, Pastor Tony, I know all that. You just explained the Romans road. Paul was going through the book of Romans and he's explaining all these things. Paul was speaking to the church of Corinth later. Actually, turning your Bibles with you, I want to show you. It's, it's the same passage. It's the same teaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Turning your Bibles, look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And this is... This is This is what God is getting at with this whole thing that he's teaching, what he's trying to get us to understand. He said, I declare the righteousness for the remission of sin. I want you to know. You've got to know what God has done. You have to understand what God has done. But we don't get it. And in this letter that he's talking, he begins to talk about the same subject. And he says, know ye, not that the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And he begins to go like this. He said, be not deceived. 
I don't, I don't care who you are, where you go to church, what your background is. I don't care what your good deeds are. I don't care if you've been in church your entire life. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Did you guys notice that those were titles? Gary, do you have a second to come up here with me? Come on up here, buddy. These are titles, not just sins, but they're titles. Because they declare who you are. Gary, you, you understand what the Bible is saying with that. And I'm going to, if we were to go to a banquet or a party or a conference or whatever, they, they would give you a name tag to declare who you are. So I, I brought some name tags with me, the same thing. But according to the Bible, it says, if you've ever one time lied, this is, this is, this is your title. You're a liar. Oops. It's true. And it doesn't matter because of the fact is if you trespass, you cross that line, you go back and say, oh, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry. And it says, well, you still did it. You still lied. You still broke that law. It's, it's like if I took a vase and I dropped it and broke it. Oops, I'm sorry. Sorry's cool. It's still broken. You still broke the law of God. If you go out and steal anything whatsoever, you are a thief. And that's what this thing is talking about. You are a thief. Sit there and though I talked about a drunkard. In our culture, we have a, a lot of that, of not being able to understand that God has separated us from the sins of the world, and we become those things, and gossip, and the revilers, and all these things that it says there. Do you understand that this affects how we live? Because when we walk around there, a lot of people are like, I'm just a, I'm a bad guy, I'm a bad boy, I'm this, I'm that, and, I'm, and it comes out of it. This is who we are, this is our identity. We sit there and the Bible says, no, I want you to finish because this is what God was saying. When he died for you, this is spiritually what was saying is God covered you in his righteousness. All of those things that what you were, God was saying, you have to understand, you were a gossiper and a liar and you can't undo those things. But because you were justified by the grace of Jesus Christ and he redeemed you, he changed you. And I declare unto you that the righteousness of God is now put on Gary. Read with me. Verse 11, and such, what's the next word? Let's do it again. And such, what? Some of you. Past tense. Past tense. What you were. You say, how can that change? Past tense means it's no longer. It's something that happened in the past. It's who you used to be. It's your identity when you accepted the gift of God, the blood of Jesus then changes us, we become different and such were some of you. And he begins to explain this past tense. Follow along. It's the same thing, same thing, same thing. Okay, I'm not, I'm not introducing anything new here. Such were some of you. But he begins to go into this and explain what this means. He says, but you were washed. Now listen, you were washed you following along in your Bible. You were washed. The Bible says made clean by the Spirit of God. Now, you, you think about what he's saying in that next verse right there. He says, but you were washed. God says, I know what you were, a gossiper. You were a liar. You were labeled a drunk. You were labeled all these different things. And God says, that's not who you are anymore. I, I, th- th- when he says, but such were some of you, 
I don't think we fully get that. And I, I need to get there and say, I'm saved, saved, glory, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Great! Start living like it. Because that's not who you are. Instead, the Bible says you were washed. He says you were sanctified. You know what the Bible talks about? Sanctification is a powerful thing where God literally means to separate or being holy. The Bible talks about being holy for I am holy. God pulled you out of the bar. God pulls you out of the pit. God pulls you out of the cussing world that you were in. God pulls you out of that. He sanctified. He separated you. He made you right. Literally mean if this is trespassing, God pulled you into right standing with him. You're no longer there anymore. But in our mindset, oh, where it was me. I don't know if God loves me. God says, stop. I saved you. I washed you. I sanctified you. I made you right before God. So here's a new label. This one says righteous. And don't get a big head. Because it's nothing you did. It's what he did for you. It's what he, you are justified. You are made right before God. You are no longer the same. And I know we sit there and say, Romans, I've heard all this before, but you get where he was going with it. He was saying, man, you, you used to be a liar, you used to be this, you used to be, we're, we're past tense. There's a problem, but listen, church, there is a problem when we still live like we're not anymore. Do you understand? When you still live like you used to be, let me prove it. Romans 6, 1, I set everything up for this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. I said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sins live there any longer? Because you are made righteous. You are a child of God. You are not the same. Inside of your life, God imputed, God put upon the righteousness of God. Are we living like it? Gary, you can be seated. And I know I took a long way to set up a very simple subject. But I don't, I don't think we understand where we came from. And the fact is God looks at his children and says, why are they acting like they once were? Why? That's not who you are. I saved you from that. I justified it. I covered it. You didn't deserve it. I gave it to you anyways. I made you right. I made you clean. I pulled you out. I sanctified you. Act like my children. Act like who you were made to be. And that is what we're going to talk about next Sunday. I am looking, if you are saved today, I am looking at the righteous of God. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. When God sees you, he sees the covering of his sin. He sees the record wiped clean. He sees a new name on your chest. You are made righteous in Jesus Christ.